you just find the relatable skills. You find ways to make what you've done relevant. And more importantly, you really have to want to do it. Because when I was hired at the Fortune 400 company, I asked my bosses afterwards, I'm like, why did you take me over other people? And he goes, because your coding was good enough and you really wanted it. I'm George Comedy, and this is First Watch Spotlight from Safeguard Cyber. For Spotlight, we've put the focus on the up-and-coming generation of cybersecurity professionals. Some are right out of school, and some are entering from a different career path altogether. Our goal is to show that there's no singular path into this industry, and hopefully highlight some ways more people can enter the field. Today's guest is Exton Howard, security analyst and penetration tester at Dara Security. Exton went from a career directing TV to a new career on the red team. I wanted to dig in and get down to brass tacks on how he managed that transition. Exton Howard, welcome to First Watch. Oh, thank you. Thank you, George. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so I'm really excited to hear about your journey. Um, I know we had gotten to talking on LinkedIn after another Spotlight episode, so... Mm -hmm. Why don't we just start there at the beginning? So how did you decide on cybersecurity? Or sometimes I hear it the reverse. How did cybersecurity decide on you? So so that's a really interesting story because like uh, I started off, I was in television for years and years and I was a director uh, in television. So that was a lot of fun. And I got to meet a ton of interesting people through that. But it had... Uh, uh, that industry is very turbulent. Mm -hmm. So there were like multiple layoffs involved and it's like, Oh, we're just eliminating 20% of the company. So after a while with that, I got tired of dealing with the job insecurity. Right. And I did some sales in the auto industry for a little bit while I pivoted. I then taught myself Python because I thought development, that's where the money's at. That's what I want to do. I can, that should be fun. I then got a job working for a fortune 400 company and realized I don't like software development. <laughs> so I taught myself, I thought I taught myself how to do it. And I'm like, I don't really like this. I could do it. Mm -hmm. I don't love it. You know, like this isn't for me. So then I was talking with some of my friends. Um, one was like an ISO at uh, an inf information security officer at Equifax who went there right after the breach because of the breach and talking to some CSOs I knew and talked to other developers. And like, I was trying to figure out which path to go. And I ended up going to Georgia Tech, took their six-month boot camp, graduated. And uh, out of that, I had a lot of good, there was a lot of fantastic learning out of that. And I met uh, a, a good friend of mine now. He was our instructor. and He's director of red team operations at a uh, rather large company. And um, he kind of turned into a mentor for me. Mm -hmm. And from there, I was able to actually get my first offer on Halloween, actually. And that was... Uh, to be my current role, which is a penetration tester. Yeah. And I mean, there are two things I want to dig in here that yeah, of course. you, you pivoted later in your career, right? Mm -hmm. This is not like, you know, one or two years in the job market. So no. what, what was that like to start over? I don't really believe in quote unquote, starting over because I think things build on one another, but I, I take your point that it was a, a different start in a different skill set so to transition from one career to another because i spent 14 15 16 years mm -hmm. as a television director which 
fantastic, tons of fun. I loved it, but too many problems. But pivoting from that, I had to find relatable skills from what that was to what I wanted to do. So since I was on the technical side of television, there was some programming, not to any level of Mm -hmm. programming language, but automation programming of, of graphics deploying of, of switchers. You might've seen in star Mm -hmm. Wars, you know, the way they're firing the death star. Yeah. That's a television (laughs) switcher. I've actually used that switcher, not that exact one, but that same model. Mm Mm-hmm. So like that kind of stuff, you can program all sorts of automation. It's a computer with a keyboard that has like over a thousand buttons and they all do something different and you have to know what they all do. So, you know, in that knowledge and figuring out that if I can program that, I can learn to program a development language or scripting Mm -hmm. language, I thought is. And then it's you just find the relatable skills. You find ways to make what you've done relevant. And more importantly, you really have to want to do it because when I was hired at the fortune 400 company i asked my bosses afterwards i'm like why did you take me over other people and he goes because your coding was good enough and you really wanted it so yeah so that that came out in the in the interview process yeah show the passion that you have for whatever it is whether it's cyber whether it's coding whether it's driving a truck whatever your passion Mm -hmm. is if you if you show that and you you can tell when someone speaks because you can tell of the excitement in their voice and how they are. You can just tell that that is a little something extra. And somebody who really wants something is going to work extra hard and they're going to take extra time. Like when I taught myself Python, I'm married with a kid and was working a job at the time that mm-hmm. was requiring 11 hours a day. I was up every day at 5 a.m. learning code. Then I'd get ready, make myself breakfast go to work for 11 hours, come home, take care of my family. And then I'd be up to like 11 at night Mm -hmm. working, like studying, like this is what I wanted to do. I did not want to do what I was doing before. So I was like, how am I going to do this? I have to put in the work. So changing jobs Um, is another job. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about that transition. So you mentioned teaching yourself Python Mm -hmm. and, and taking the hours and time to do that. And then you also talked about the Georgia Tech boot camp. Can you mm-hmm. speak to the different modes there about being self-taught? I think there's a debate in cyber about whether the boot camps are necessary, the certifications, this, that, and the other. Like, oh, it's all free and on YouTube. But you know, I think there's there's probably there's some bad structure. There's a, there's a we're gonna say that there's a small debate on this. <laughs> right, fair. So I've done both paths. So I think I have, and again, this is all anecdotal. Um when I did the self-taught stuff, I thought that was all I was really going to need. I wasn't sure I was going to need a boot camp. I wasn't sure I was going to need. I've got two bachelor degrees. I wasn't sure if I was mm. going to need anything like that. So I'm like, okay. So I thought I was ready. I had written some programs and you know minor stuff and that kind of stuff. I didn't realize how unprepared I really was until I was in the workforce doing it for, for work. Because it's like there were massive holes in my studying and I didn't know what I didn't know. Because these were items that just didn't show up in the Udemy courses, the edX courses, the YouTube videos just never showed up. And then in the real world, I'm like, oh, so I'd work and then drive home. And then I'd stay up at night learning what I needed to do tomorrow. So I, I had to like really jump through the hoops with that. And so I decided after that contract ended, um, that, I was like, 
what am I going to do? And I was like, do I want to continue the self-study? Do I want formal mm -hmm. education? And I made the call to do formal ed. And I've, I live in Atlanta and I've always had an affinity for Georgia Tech. It's a wonderful place. Great school. It's the number two school for cybersecurity in the country. So I was like, you know, if I'm going to put something on my resume, might as well make it a really good school. Mm -hmm. So I did research and I decided to go with the Georgia Tech Bootcamp, which is run by um, 2U or Trilogy Education. It's mm -hmm. kind of a partnership deal. And so here's the other thing about the formal education. You've got to be very choosy as to what bootcamp you do. Do your due diligence. There's a lot mm -hmm. out there that will not properly prepare you or are just astronomically ex um, expensive. There's ones that run um, income sharing agreements that basically say you don't have to pay us now but we're going to take 20% of your salary for the next three years. So loan and, sharking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a payday advance loan really yeah. is what that seems like to me, but it's like, so you've got to be really careful. And also I've been in a hiring position in the past. So I know when a resume comes across my desk mm -hmm. and I look and I see, okay, this guy doesn't have any formal education. Well, that's not, a red flag that's not a black mm -hmm. flag but it's definitely going to make me ask other questions that doesn't mean it's not getting an interview but they've got to have something extra on there that's just mm -hmm. really on point and then if i've got a person from if i've got three resumes and i've got one from ohio state and one from university of iowa and one from mit or georgia tech or berkeley and i'm hiring in a technical role I'm taking, mm -hmm. I'm most likely going to start with that Berkeley MIT tech grad because of the reputation of those formal schools. And that's going to stand out over like a flat iron school, or yeah. I don't think DeVry is a thing anymore, but when DeVry was a thing mm -hmm. or university of Phoenix, you know what I'm saying? Like, so the quality of the school that you're going to go to makes a difference. And the other benefit of a boot camp, in my opinion, is it makes you accountable to somebody else. Yeah, that's you paid a, I think money. That's a in. Big, yeah, I think it's a big piece because you've yeah, put I, money into it. So you a lot of up. money. It's not cheap. I think mine mm -hmm. was like 10 or 12 grand yeah. so for six months. That's not an insignificant amount of money. But the, the fact is, it's like you, you've got other people there going through it with you. So you hold mm -hmm. each other accountable. The instructors and in, are there cheering you on and helping you, but they're giving you enough and they're not necessarily teaching you. This is how you do a pen test. This is how you be work a scene. Mm -hmm. They're giving you the tools to understand how to use whatever tool you're going to use because there's a lot there. And so if you can do it without one, great. I'm happy for you. More power to you. I couldn't, but that's not the way everyone learns. And also formal education is not the way everyone learns. So you really have to find what works for you. For me, formal education is what did it. We'll be back in a moment. Follow First Watch wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every other Tuesday. And now, back to my conversation with Exton Howard. Well, and I think there's something there about also not wasting time, right? Because if you don't yeah. know what you don't know, you, you could go down trying to teach yourself something that turns out to either be irrelevant or not the domain you go into or, or wrong. You, know, you could spin a lot of cycles. Yeah. You, you could teach yourself incorrectly or something outdated. Yeah. Um, but I also want to drill down in there because not only do you not know what you don't know, but that structure gives you access. I think, as you said, to a mentor, to somebody mm -hmm. who can either point you in the right direction or also, I mean, I believe you said 
they were the head of red teaming and you're a pen mm-hmm. tester now, right? So yeah. it also pulls you maybe in the direction of a domain. You go in saying like, I'm doing a cybersecurity bootcamp, mm-hmm. but there is so much within cyber. So oh could, yeah. could you elaborate a little on, on how that relationship and how that, what was it that drew you to the pen testing role versus, you know, say GRC or whatever else? So we started with GRC. Before going into boot camp, I thought I wanted to be the guy who comes in after a breach and <laughs> figures out what the heck happens. That is not me. <laughs> like that, I got there. I was like, that is not what I want to do. But then when we got into a couple of quick CTFs uh, during the boot camp, I was like, man, this is just like building a puzzle. Uh-huh. Only you're in a dark room and the lights are off and you don't know what it looks like. <laughs> but but I love that. And you're, you're like... I equate pen testing a lot. I had to dumb it down for not dumb it down. That's the wrong phrase, but you know, I had to explain Mm -hmm. it in layman's terms to a client. I go, you build your app with round holes. And so your app is supposed to work with these round pegs as a pen tester. I'm over here with my square peg, trying to jam it at every hole and see what fits. Mm -hmm. And you know, like when you explain it like that, they go, Oh, okay. So you're just QA trying to break things. I go, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is fun. (laughs) But like, Going in, but you've got GRC, you've got blue team, you've got governance. You, I mean, that is part of GRC. You've got auditing, you've got mm-hmm. forensics. I mean, it goes on and on. Threat hunting. You know, I've got friends yeah. who do all these things, and they love it, and it's fascinating stuff. I find it fascinating. It's just mm-hmm. not what I want to do. But having a red teamer as an instructor and a mentor, he kind of he would get this glint in his eye when he was telling a war story and you could tell it was going to be a good story. And mm-hmm. most of the class is like, Oh man, you're dirty. You're dirty. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. He's the guy you want to break in and do it because he's going to write a report as opposed yes. to that malicious actor. Who's going to deploy ransomware. Yeah. So when you look at stuff like that, you're like, it just became fun because it's the sexy side. It's the Hollywood side. It's the Mr. Robot side. So, (laughs) you know, it's that side. It's a lot of fun. Like what I get to do every day is fun. Like there hasn't Mm -hmm. been a stressful, crazy day in my, I've had long days. I've had long weeks, but it's not been like any stressful, crazy, like I don't want to do this. It's not not a grind so much as a, yeah, as a, calling dare i say <laughs> yeah and, and and like so that's yeah i mean and the other thing is it's definitely not like um it's not like hack the box it's mm-hmm. not like proving grounds it's not like over the wire it's not try hack me those are intentionally vulnerable machines and i'm going up against intentionally invulnerable machines and it's a lot of it is oh here's another encryption vulnerability that i cannot exploit but then, so there's a lot of stuff where you're doing that. And then the moment you get that actual shell or SQL mm-hmm. injection or, or, you know, something like that, like I was just on this engagement and um, we got, I found a blind time-based SQL injection that gave us four password hashes, one of which was our point of contact. And we did Oof. an offline password crack and passed it around the network and got his password. And if you're signing the rules of engagement, you're pretty high up. And he just got unlucky. And it's all, it's all it takes. <laughs> it's all I've it been takes. on engagements where three weeks in, everything is like 
squeaky clean and you can't do anything. And then you capture something in a man in the middle attack and it cracks. And you're on the last like eight hours and boom, domain admin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and things that would work in, in, in like capture the flag scenario just don't work. Like they mm-hmm. just don't. Yeah. So a, it, yeah. Fire drill versus live fire, but Hey, yeah, I can hear the passion, man. I can see why you got that job. <laughs> Um, it's lots of fun. Yeah. So what excites you about the future? You know, you're still sort of, I think, early days, safe to say, in, in your cybersecurity career. What's what's exciting you? Uh, honestly, what new exploits are out there? Like, mm-hmm. I think it was my, uh, so I think it was my second week, third week, Log4j happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> Welcome and to the party. <laughs> I got my first. Well, for everyone else, all of my friends, it was running around 24-7, hair on fire. And I'm over here like, how does this work? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think I had my first shell with it within 24 hours on yeah. a client's machine. So it was like we were getting calls from all of our clients and stuff. And, and like we were on pen test and the active clients were emailing us saying, mm-hmm. well, what do we need to know about this? Don't worry. We're going to figure it out and we're going to test it. And bang, bang, bang all over the place, you know, but now it's very rare to actually see it work, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's on a VMware server or whatever, it's, it's just not as common. So you've got to see what's coming up next, you know, uh, what the next one is like uh, uh, there was a, a big IP exploit earlier this year last year mm-hmm. uh 2022 and um it, it it i mean that's a commercial device that costs a substantial amount of money so it's not everywhere but when we find it and we find that exploit it's it's kind of fun to be able to then go from there so it's yeah. you never know what you're going to find like a, it, it's it's doing puzzles like that's what excites me and what new way can this work and can i find something brand new that nobody else has found and mm-hmm what what is the next thing and it's just it's exciting to see what you can get you know it's that that's the whole thing like that's what excites me that's what i'm excited about like where am i going what new attack vectors am i going to know in the future what's going to come out that's going to change things so i have to constantly have further my education i have to constantly keep studying because you never know and it's there's just so much out there yeah yeah i mean Again, hearing that passion, I'm super appreciative that you're on the defender side, not on the yes. ransomware affiliate side. <laughs> um, I do so, everything but deploy the ransomware. Yeah. So I want to round to home here and say, mm-hmm. you know, this is a part of our spotlight series, which is those who have changed careers or looking to enter. And what are the tips that you would pass along to those looking to make similar moves? Well, it's going to sound cliche, but you get out of whatever you do, like what you put in. So if you go to Mm -hmm. a boot camp, um, you can't just pay your money and expect to come out, you know, top of the class and get a job. Make sure you find something quality. Make sure you vet whatever you're going to do for studying, you know. So like, again, Georgia Tech, Berkeley, Mm -hmm. et cetera, schools like that. If I was going to do a boot camp again, it would be Tech, Berkeley, Harvard, MIT, because you can do them all remote. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you are. You might as well get the set, the best because they're the same money relatively, you know, within a few thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And 
find people who are there's a lot of cheerleaders in this field that there's tons of them like and who are more than happy to answer questions i mean but again for that don't just come to people go how do i do what you do well mm-hmm. there, I'll, I'll try to point you to some resources but it's like there's it's come and say hey um so I've been trying to change careers. Here's what I know. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I found. Like do some research before you get in there. Uh, learn how to Google. Like you might think you know how to Google, but look up Google dorking, <laughs> Google hacking. Yep. Seriously, look it up, learn how to do that. You'd be amazed what you can find out there on that. Uh, take your extra time. I mean, you really have to like this. This is a like it or hate it kind of field. And yeah, yeah, I, you take that point. I mean, I see a lot of, you know, how do I get into cyber? I hear that's where all the hot jobs are, where that's how the salaries are. But just like anything, I mean, it could have been like mm-hmm. investment banking in the 80s. If, if you're just oh, chasing yeah. oh, God. that paycheck, you're going you're gonna to hit a wall somewhere because mm-hmm. there's a lot of hours involved. And, um, you know, you're on the pen testing side, but if you end up on the IR side and things go <sighs> sideways, I mean, that's a lot of those are 14, life. 16 hour days. Yeah. 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 So, so no, I mean, you got to really love, love it. And I look at it every day where I'm going in and I'm helping protect people, you know, because mm-hmm. like people trust companies with their information and those companies need to do the due diligence. And as a pen tester, I get to make sure that they actually are doing their due diligence. So somebody doesn't come along and, steals your identity or your bank account you know Mm -hmm. and while it might not have a lot of money in the greater scheme of things a few thousand dollars is a lot of money to me it's a lot of money i'm Mm -hmm. assuming to you you know ten thousand dollars five thousand dollars five hundred dollars could be a lot of money you know so i mean it's not just the lowest hanging fruit that people that, that malicious actors go after. They might take that and then see where they can go and try to get yep. into your grandma's or whatever. And it's, it's that. And, and like knowing that if these companies aren't doing their due diligence, people could suffer. Mm-hmm. Really, that sucks to think about. And yeah. I don't want that to happen. And, you know, so just don't do it for a paycheck. Get on in there and do it for something that you love. And if it's not this... That's okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Exxon, thank you so much for taking the time. No, oh, you're welcome, George. Thank you. That's it for today's Spotlight. My thanks to Exxon Howard for sharing his story. To hear more interviews with leaders and more Spotlight episodes, subscribe to First Watch wherever you get your podcasts. First Watch is a production of Safeguard Cyber with original music by Matias Cefaletti and production help from Jamil Mafi. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong.